ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhind, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. The number one reason why people call me for coaching is disliking their jobs. They just say, I'm unhappy in my job. I don't like my job. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. And so often when we start to dive into it, what's going on is that they don't feel valued. They don't feel appreciated. They don't feel like their strengths are really honored. And then when I go back to my own days in corporate, I remember being part of such a great team, people I loved. And yet we didn't really have great processes around how to interact with each other. We weren't being super positive all the time. We weren't trying to you know, pump each other up and getting all excited. And I remember at the last company I worked for before I went out up on my own, I'd started learning about positive psychology. And so I said, let's start every meeting with a win. And a couple of people started laughing, literally laughing at me. And they really, it's, I think it was just their own discomfort and they all participated, but it was really a discomfort in, uh, they didn't even know what win to share. And it seemed outside of the comfort zone. Fortunately, my boss at the time was really into it. And he said, yeah, let's do it. And I would say after about four or five meetings, everybody got into it. And the more they got into it, the more each of us felt appreciated, felt accepted. We were complimenting each other on our work. And the environment was so much better. And that made all of us like our jobs more. And so it's super important as we think about how to be our happiest selves, how to be our best selves, we spend the majority of our time at work, how can we be our most successful at work? How can businesses support us? How can you, if you're in a business, support your team members in being as effective as possible, in being their best, in feeling confident, in feeling alive? Fortunately, the research of positive psychology gives us a lot of answers. And my guest today is the perfect person to share with us how we can be more profitable in every way in work, profitable in happiness, profitable in well-being, profitable money. And as we're going to hear today, it can all come from being more positive. So today's episode of the Purpose Girl podcast is all about how can we profit at work from being positive. And you're going to want to stay tuned until the end when we give you three purpose power tips all about how you can immediately go into your own workplace and start being the champion for positivity, being the champion for profitability, and for you to do better, feel better, and succeed more at work. My guest today is one of the most genuine generous, delightful, brilliant women that I have ever met. She is a dear friend of mine, a close colleague, and I consider a mentor. Senya Maimon has her PhD in organizational behavior from Stanford. 
She is a consultant and an executive coach. She works with clients like Google, Intel, VMware. Of course, she has her master's degree in the science of applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, like I do, which is where we met. She runs a coaching network of upwards of 30 managers at a time um, with large technology companies in the Bay Area. She works with entrepreneurs and executives on everything from how to build your confidence to how to create successful teams to how to build up your business. She's the co-author of the business book, Profit from the Positive. She is a co-business columnist for Live Happy Magazine. She's been featured on PBS in USA Today. You name it, she's been there. She, by far, is the most get-it-done woman I have ever met. Senya has an idea, and the next thing you know, it is implemented. So we have a lot to learn from this woman. She founded and is editor uh, and chief of research news for a website called Positive Psychology News Daily. There is a link in the show notes, and you're going to want to check that out. And she and I are working with a couple of other positive psychology coaches on a fun project called The Coaches, which you'll want to be tuned in because we will be talking about that coming soon for you. So Senya, you run a network of coaches, you're writing children's books, you are a mother, you have so much going on. Welcome to the Purpose Girl podcast. It is such a pleasure to be on with you, Karen. I'm so delighted that as you said about me, I feel the same way about you. You're a close friend and a close colleague. And it's so fun to be doing this podcast together. I've Yay. listened to your podcast. I'm a fan of your podcast and I'm finally on your podcast. Yay! I am so excited for you to be on. You knew about the Purpose Girl podcast before there was a Purpose Girl podcast. And I said to you, if I launch this podcast, will you be a guest on it? I remember. And and you immediately, you were the first one of the first people to say, yes, I will be on. So I'm so honored and excited to have you on. There's so much I want to talk about. The, the first thing is when I think of you, I really think of you as a woman on purpose. You're a woman who is clear about who you are and why you're here and you're out there doing it. So how did you get where you are? I actually like that demarcation, a woman on purpose. That made me sit up a little <laughs> a little straighter and, and uh, plant my feet a little firmer. I, yeah. And it, it also made me think of the parts where I am a woman on purpose because we all have different parts of our lives, parts where I feel they're so messy, they're just tangled wires together today. And then parts where, no, this, these things are moving forward. So thank you. That's a... I like that. Mm, that is a new distinction. I think I should start calling people a yeah. woman on purpose. Yeah. Yes. Come and to my podcast, because you are a woman on a purpose. Woman, I love I this. Yes. Yeah. And by the way, all of you out there, I, I actually love what you just said, Senya. Being a woman on purpose doesn't mean that we have everything buttoned up. I mean, please, any of you who could see me, it's hilarious. Senya and I are on video right now, and I am taping this in my basement because when I was taping in a prettier room, there were birds that you could hear on my podcast. And so sometimes things are a mess and that's okay. And we have to accept the mess. So um, regardless, you still can be a woman on purpose and you are. So how did you get here to the point where you are, you've written a, 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 this incredible best-selling book, you are writing children's books, you're coaching executives in the Bay Area, these huge companies, and you're such a genuine, beautiful person. How did you get here? Thank you. Thank you, Karen. I, 
I think if you, when I think of the, that question, how you're asking it, I think of uh, growing up with my parents, probably between ages seven and maybe 14, all of the time, but especially at that time. And we did a couple of things in my family that were very normal to me, but now I think maybe not everybody did this. Uh, when we were growing up, it was my parents, me, and two, one brother who's two years younger. Later, we, my parents had two other kids as well, but I, I'm thinking of the time when I was between seven and 14. We read, sure, lots of kids read and go to the library. We went to a lot of yard sales for some reason, kind of a fun thing to hmm. do. We we sometimes even gone to open houses just for fun, even when my parents, we haven't been in a mode of uh, needing to, or, or wanting to get a house. So we went to yard sales and we just got things that seemed interesting. We got a lot of books and we got books like Napoleon Hill's books and ah. uh, Dale Carnegie's books. And I was a teenager and just reading through them and thought it was interesting to start to look at why people do things. I didn't know this could be called psychology or the study of influence. I just thought, oh, this is really interesting. Somebody's trying to figure out what someone else is doing. And at the same time, my, uh, my parents and my brother and I used to go hiking. We did it when my two younger brothers were born as well. And when we went hiking, my dad did something really funny that I'll, I'll have to start implementing with my kids as they grow, get older too. We'd go on a hike, and then in this middle, in the middle of this hike, a lot. I tend to stop for snack breaks with my kids, but my uh, my parents would stop for uh, almost maybe lecture breaks. So they'd stop, and my dad would say, "Okay, so here's something I've been reading." And then he'd draw on the on the ground, maybe like a circle with four quadrants. And here's what I've been reading, and and it might be nothing. My my dad's a mathematician, and then after that, uh, a trader and quantitative person. But it might have nothing to do with that. So here are four different ways of looking at people. What do you think? Which one are you? Is this and it just made me think about things and what's a fit and what's a direction for me. So I really love these mm. weekend uh, digression lectures that we would have with, with drawings uh, with sticks in the ground. And then also reading books that weren't related at all to what I was learning in school. And I think those couple of things maybe start thinking, what's, what's an interesting direction? What's an interesting direction for me? And I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this, Karen. I, I sort of think of people as uh, goals people or direction people. And that's, mm. that's a very loose term. Some people really love setting specific goals and going after them. That's not me. I'm a direction person. So for example, you and I, with two of our colleagues, on, are working on a, a, a show called The Coaches. We, we hope that we'll start releasing them soon. But that's a direction. I knew I really liked you and our two other colleagues. And I knew I really wanted to talk with you, with the, with the three of you. I had no idea. Remember, we had no idea what format. Right. Even. Right. We, we sat down and said, yeah, something. what could we do together? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would be fun? So the, there's a direction that seems like it's calling or like it's a, a nice pull. And that's, so I, to, that's kind of the background. But I think that's what's led me, certainly what's led me to positive psychology it's what had led me to math before. It just felt interesting or fun or a problem to solve. It's what led me, what's led me to the sport I love, which is rock climbing, because it feels like there are problems to solve or there's a direction mm -hmm. I'm interested in and how that sport fits with me. So I think there are directions that I've been following, including when those, those directions match up with real life, kind of being open or, or jumping on that. For example, you mentioned our book, Profit from the Positive, with my co-author, Margaret. Just the fact of starting those discussions and pushing them forward and almost like 
working at it, physically working at something and seeing what comes of it. So a lot of times it's just like you said about your basement. A lot of times it <laughs> might be a mess that for our, for our listeners, the first comment I made to Karen, cause I see Karen on video pretty regularly as I said, Oh, what's that red pipe up above you? <laughs> <laughs> it's my new studio. That's what it is. <laughs> AKA my basement. I love this. And, and hearing what you're saying about either being a direction person or a goal person, I'm sure that there are times that, that we're both, I can really see that. And I actually think that direction is very feminine, right? So it's intuitive, it's creative, it's kind of feeling out and goal feels more masculine and not that there's right or wrong. We all have masculine and feminine in us, but I love that. And, and I really believe that my soul is more direction, but my head says, no, you have to have a goal. And I'm really working on leaning into being more of a, like, go with my direction and not have to know exactly what the outcome is. And it's actually way more fun. It's not how I think we were, at least how I was like reared and what we learn in school. So I think it's really interesting. This is a whole interesting concept to really think about. Not what we were originally going to talk about, but I love this idea. And I imagine in your coaching. So as we talk about people being successful in their careers, people feeling lit up, feeling on top of their game, feeling confident, the business moving forward. How does this concept play in direction and goals? Oh, I think that's lovely. I, I think that's just lovely. There's a word that you used as you were describing direction where you said direction may be more intuitive. Mm -hmm. And I think what's funny is if I tell friends, oh, my parents met at math grad school and they were both mathematicians and then they went in a little different career directions, people think mathematicians are, must be very logical. Mm. But actually, I learned a lot about intuition from both my mom and dad. And I think it's intriguing to follow your intuition or think what is that intuition trying to tell me, even when you may not know. So there's something about how you talked about direction and intuition that, that works for me. It's, it, it feels like a nice tight link and turning it back to coaching. How did, how do how might direction or goals fit with coaching? This even reminds me of your opening story where you said clients come to you and they say, I'm dissatisfied with work. I don't like this. This isn't working. And what's interesting is, I think it's lovely that people have that self-awareness to know that intuition. This isn't working or that's mm -hmm. not great. Mm -hmm. What can I change? And they come to you and they say, something's just a little bit off because then as a coach, you can help them unravel that. Right. Right. You can help point them along that direction. Right. Now, I know for your book, uh, you and Margaret Greenberg and Profit from the Positive is an incredible book and you all can find the link in the show notes the process that you used to create that book, you actually went out to companies and you said, what are you, what are you dealing with? Can you tell us a little bit about that, that process and so that we can learn what, what what's going on with companies? Okay, great. So I'll start with blueberry pie. Here's how it worked. Margaret and I are colleagues from the same program that Karen and I are colleagues from, from the masters of applied positive psychology. And one day after the program finished, uh, Margaret and I, I visited her at her home and we uh, decided to make pies. I, we made a, a Russian apple cake because my background is that I'm from Russia and uh, we made a blueberry pie and they were so good. And I'm even just picturing them. And as we were talking over, over baked goods, we, 
Margaret had been coaching to CXOs at a large financial company. So CTOs, CFOs, a lot of different uh, um, executives. And I'd been working with entrepreneurs who ran their own businesses. So usually coaching to the CEO, but who ran their own businesses. And we realized we were using the same kinds of frameworks. So we might both be, you might find this all the time, Karen, that we're both speaking about flow to our clients in different sessions, or we're both saying, oh, that meeting didn't work well. What else are you trying? What's working in your mm-hmm. meetings? Mm-hmm. So we, we talked about those things and we said, we're, we're, we have a, an anecdotal sense of this. You coach some people, I coach some people. We have an anecdotal sense of what the real issues are. So let's go out to our clients and our colleagues and just ask, what are your biggest burning business questions? It's a little bit of an alliteration. So your <laughs> biggest burning business, business questions. Exactly. And, and we really just wanted to hear what's, excuse me, what's top of mind. And they said, how can I be more productive? Hmm. They said, how can I be a better leader? And we said, what do you mean by be a better leader? <laughs> and, <laughs> and sometimes we got a funny subsection to that. For example, we got quite a number of people saying, how can I get the most out of my people? <laughs> and <laughs> Margaret and I stepped back and, and you'll even see, we described this in one of our chapters. We used to get the question, how can we get the most out of our people? And we think that may not be the right question. People are not this, this rag that you should wring out right. and get everything out. The question may be, how can we get the best out of our people? How can mm. we bring our people to be their best? Mm-hmm. So rather than pulling something out of what can we do to, to light them up, like you were saying, or mm-hmm. jazz them up? So that, that's the process we went through. We, we, we went out to our colleagues. We said, what are your biggest burning business questions? And then we wrote about it. So in answer to how can we have our people be at their best at work, we have sections on strengths. We have sections on free, which is Margaret and Dana Arakawa's research on frequent recognition and encouragement. And that Google has substantiated that in their own research. So much research has substantiated that you, I'm, I'm going to summarize this in a very, uh, quick way that you are much more happy to be fulfilled by a comment from your peer on the work you did on how good the work you did was than an extra increase in salary of 10,000 or 20,000. There is some research on the specific difference, but you are much more satisfied by that relationship. And as like you said, Karen, just being valued. Being valued. This is so incredible. When I'm speaking to corporations, I'll often ask, you know, I could be in front of 200 people and say, how many of you would like a $10,000 raise? And of course, everybody raises their hand, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, the person who hired me is going to kill me. But then I say, and how long will that $10,000 make you happy? And then they all start laughing, right? And it's like, it will make you happy. And they go, oh, I don't know, maybe a year, maybe six months. Well, in reality, you take that $10,000, right? You take taxes out. Now you take your $6,500, you split it over your 12 months, and then your car breaks down and there it goes. So it's gone, right? As opposed to, and listen, I, I'd be happy if someone gave me $10,000 right now. It's not that we don't also want that. It's what's going to give you that fulfillment. It's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite words because fulfillment. I always think about like this, your heart and soul being filled up as opposed to when you're depressed, everything is like pressed down and fulfillment is your heart is filled up and your soul is filled up and our heart and soul gets filled up when we are valued, when we are appreciated, when people see our strengths, when they are seeing us for who we really are and complimenting that 
We love that. It's so, it's human nature. Can, can I do a riff on that? Uh, please. I, I, I feel like even just the way you, so every, our listeners can't hear it, but just the way that Karen moved her hands up as if something is filling up her lungs or the inside of her body, her heart, like you, you were saying, Karen, I suggest to our listeners as they're sitting, if they're in a place, if they're not in their car, to really just where they're sitting with their bottom on their seat, to just raise their arms really, really mm. high up. I mean, all these things that Karen is saying, like a woman on purpose, we feel that when we kind of stretch into our own bodies. If you do have your hands lifted up, just stretch a little with your left hand up or stretch a little with your right hand up and then just kind of shake them out as they're coming back down. I'm, I'm not an aerobics instructor or anything like that, but I just feel when we associate something that we care about, like fulfillment with with a movement, then we, we kind of, we expand it. We make, we make it bigger. Ooh, well, there's actually great research on this, right? The connection between our body movements and success. And we often think about psychosomatic that if you're thinking, you know, you could make yourself sick because you're thinking about something. Well, the opposite they have found is also true. And I don't have this research study in front of me, but if I'm remembering correctly, that when we take our arms and we make a movement like that, where your arms are full and it's open, and now you associate that with the word, your brain actually starts believing that you are more fulfilled. So I believe that there is research that supports that too. I even see little things, the idea of uh, neurons that fire together, wire together. Yes. I see this in little kids too, all the time. If, you, if you've taken a kid to one place and you gave them a snack there, anytime they walk by that place, they want that snack. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. And it works with my dog too. I tell you what, he knows the mailman comes and he knows that a treat is coming. And then we had a change in mailman and now... It's like he's been conditioned that mailman equals, you know, so, so (laughs) our brains do know, right? So let's talk more about, I love this concept. It's not about getting the most out of people, right? So any of you out there who are managers, um, this is so great. And, and any of you out there who, who work for, for an organization or for someone else, or if you work for yourself, this is about how to be our best, how to inspire and encourage and empower someone to be their best. So you were talking about some of the things that do make us feel our best, getting that free, that reward, that recognition, that appreciation. And you also talked about strengths. Let's talk a little bit more about strengths. What did you find in your research? What do you know about strengths and what are they? I actually haven't talked about strengths much on the Purpose Girl podcast. So let's talk about it. So for anybody listening who has not done a strengths assessment like the uh, VIA or the Strengths Finder, here are three questions you can ask yourself. I think they're on page 79 of our book. We go there all the time. Uh, three questions you can ask yourself to think, what are my strengths, even in the moment? What really jazzes me up? What energizes me? What am I good at? And what do other people usually tell me that I'm good at? Mm, I love this. I love this. So let's break this down a little bit. So first of all, Sanya, what jazzes you up? Asking questions and doing physical movement. Mm, I love that. I love that. And what do other people tell you you're really good at? Uh, Organizing groups. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This woman, I'm telling you. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I've seen it. I've seen it many times. Yeah, I love and creating that direction. Like you brought our group of the coaches together and that you have this idea and you brought us all together. And then 
let us all figure out from there, but bringing groups together and, and creating direction. I love that. You know, I just had a thought while we were speaking. It's not, this isn't the profit from the positive specific book. I was just thinking about your podcast and I've listened to episodes of your podcast and I've seen who your guests are. And I, and I was thinking about positive psychology books. I read them when our colleagues put out books that have positive psychology in them. And there's something that it's not a one and done. Hmm. Positive psych isn't that, oh, I read one book 10 years ago. That's going to last me. I've, uh, you know, the David Cooper writer idea of the question is the beginning of change. Mm -hmm. And I've just been thinking recently, it's not just that one question. Why do people want to listen to your podcast again and again? They want to be reminded of these things. Hmm. Why, when I was 10 or 14 years old, did I read Napoleon Hill and then go to bed and listen to an audio tape of somebody else and listen to another audio tape? One time is not enough because we constantly are asking ourselves those questions and creating those answers. Yeah, I love that. And to be our best, it's not, it's like we don't go to the gym once, right? I would really like it if I could go to the gym once. (laughs) (laughs) And then my arms would look like the way that I desire. Um, Right now I've been going once a week. And so I'm proud of myself for that. And I celebrate and I brag about that. Um, But it's the same here. And I, I think that the truth is we do, we need to hear things multiple times. And I think we have a hunger for it, right? I think that we really enjoy knowing more, knowing more about ourselves, knowing more about how to be our best. I truly believe that every single one of us deep down wants to grow, right? It's actually human nature to evolve and to grow because the moment we stop growing and evolving, we actually die, And so we are growing in this moment. Our cells are dying off and new cells are being created. And so we have that hunger and that desire for personal mastery. And I know that that's one of the things that you also talk about in Profit from the Positive is this concept of personal mastery. And you talk about how we are contagious, right? Our emotions are contagious. I think you call it the achu effect in the book. Achu, Achu. exactly. Achu. Right, right. You're going to catch my cold. So let's talk about that a little bit. For us to be our best, because I do believe that we all want to be our best. So one thing is strengths and a couple of the assessments that Senya mentioned, VIA stands for values in action. And there's a link in the show notes. So you could take that. It's a free survey. It was created by the founders of positive psychology, two of the founders of positive psychology, and it will give you some insight into your strengths. And I love these questions that Senya asked you. And what we know from the research is that if you are using your strengths in a new way every day, you're going to be happier and more alive, productive. more productive. Totally. More, right, exactly. And so this is a wonderful tool. I've also used the VIA and I've used Strengths Finder, which is a book by Gallup, I've, by Tom Rath at Gallup. I've used both with companies. And it's so incredible to see teams start to work together and say, I actually had a sales executive I was working with a sales team doing a, a, a whole day workshop and I had them all take their strengths finder in advance. And I, there was one moment where there was a sales executive and his sales assistant, they looked at each other's strengths. They, they handed each other their piece of paper that had their strengths on it. And then they both started cracking up and they said, this is why you drive me nuts. 
right? Because one was such a detailed doer, uh-huh. right? And the other person is something called woo, right? They're like really into big ideas and maximizing and always wanting more and thinking about more. And the, you know, the other person just wanted them to be detail oriented. So, so, but from that conversation, they started to understand who the other person is, appreciate them. And so in addition to strengths, what else? Let's talk about personal mastery or how we can have, since achoo, since our emotions are contagious, what are some of the things that we can do to be our best at work and to make it a really fulfilling experience for us? Yeah, I think you even started with one. And I, I wrote down in my notes in your opening story, the spiral effect of having asked people at the beginning of a meeting, what's mm. a win? Mm-hmm. And sometimes people don't know that language yet. What's right. a win? <laughs> or, or what's gone well from our last meeting last week until now? What's gone well? Some people mm-hmm. ask, even ask, what's gone well personally and professionally? Mm-hmm. If it's a close knit team, now you always want to be, you want always want to know the vibe of the room. If someone doesn't want to reveal personal things that they're not put on the spot to do that, but what if you can start to influence people through strengths or through contagion, through positive? questions. Now, what do I mean by positive questions? Karen, I really want to make a distinction. I'm not saying positive thinking. I'm not saying be that person in the room who says, no, it'll be okay. Mm. Like if we're looking at a real technology bug and you're telling me, Senya, this is really bad and it's not working and other downstream effects are bad. I should not be the person that says, no, we'll fix it. It'll (laughs) be okay. Right. That's, that's false positive thinking. That's not helpful. And so in profit from the positive, even though Margaret and I called it that we really mean by the word positive from positive psychology Mm. profit from the findings of positive psychology it's not all about things going well but it's about what is an action you can take to affect change Mm. oh i love that an action you can take to affect change the word that's coming to me is the word constructive yes right so which is a word that some of our colleagues are starting to use instead of positive because positive can be misconstrued. Um, So I love this. So kind of being, it's being constructive. We don't want to just, I say, be happy dappy all the time, right? This is, you know, any of you, you, you listen, you know that I believe we need to let all of our emotions out and, and being constructive is what this is about. So may, may I give you one more constructive? Mm-hmm. One of our colleagues, David Paulet, he uh, uses a coach. He taught me a new coaching question that I love is at the beginning of coaching sessions, he might ask his uh, the, the client, what is something good, positive or important that's happened since the last mm-hmm. time we met? Mm-hmm. And that's so important to include the word important, because what if there if there was something bad in their family and you only ask them what is good or positive? You're limiting their humanity. Ooh, that is so good. That is so good. You know, I teach in the Certificate in Applied Positive Psychology program, and we always talk about that positive psychology is permission to be human. And so there is this full humanity. We're not saying to just put lipstick on a pig. There is this acceptance of your full humanity, knowing what's important, and then to say, and what can I do with it, right? That I don't get stuck. This is right. I don't get stuck that I... I'm desiring to be my best, I am, which doesn't mean you're never upset or that you don't have things going wrong. It says, how can I even struggle well, right? How can I be effective? Ooh, that's a cool question. How can mm-hmm. I struggle well? Mm-hmm. And we talked about strengths earlier, but what's interesting is as people learn, what am I good at? What do others observe me being good at? They can start 
asking that question again and again, especially in tough times. Mm. So if I'm having a really lousy day and four meetings have gone badly, how can I use my strengths in my next meeting? Or how can I use my strengths to starting tomorrow morning again? Yeah. How do you struggle well? How do yeah. you struggle well? How do you struggle well? <laughs> it's a yeah. great question. And I, I'm trying to remember if that was Chris Peterson who said struggle well. I I know that it's something we talk a lot about in in CAP. And when I look at struggling well, the fact is, is that so many of us have been through so many traumas, right? This is a little bit off topic of work, but I'll bring it back to being your best at work. You're going to, in the middle of having whatever job you have, unfortunately, we're going to have family members who become ill. We're going to have divorces or we're going to have personal traumas, maybe you get held up at gunpoint. I mean, I've been held up at gunpoint. There are going to be really difficult things. And a huge piece, if we sweep it under the rug, eventually it comes back, right? Like it's going to kind of bubble up then as anger and usually then out at somebody. And a big piece I always come back to is self-compassion, self-love, and then using some of that pain for purpose and saying, when you're ready, you have to go through a grieving period, but when you're ready, what does this tell me about my strength? What does this tell me about my courage? What does this show me about how I want to be in the world? Yeah, that's just, that's a really clear reframing. And when we think about coaching clients who have come to coaching, sometimes they'll come to coaching and they say, I should have thought about uh, moving my career forward six months ago or a year ago, Mm. or I really needed to have started working on my executive presence earlier, but you're here now. You're here today. You're doing it. You're taking action. Yeah. It seems so simple, but it's also true because we can beat ourselves up so easily, but it's, you've taken the first step. We're in this session together because you're here. Yes. I love that. And all of you listening right now, if you are someone who beats yourself up and I claim to be a recovering beat myself upper, so I'm working on it every single day. This is why I love daily celebration, right? Sell it rather than the beat yourself up for what you didn't do. Celebrate what you have done, where you are, and that you're showing up, that you're listening to this podcast today, that you're doing something for yourself. So there's so much I can talk to you about, Senya. One of the things I find so inspiring about you in particular, so many people talk about ideas and dreams, but you actually do them. You are a doer. What advice do you have for people who are out there that they're sitting on an idea? Like you had an idea to bring the four of us together for some sort of TV video concept. And you had an idea for a business and you made it happen. So anyone who's out there and they have an idea, what do they have to do to actually start doing? I think about this all the time. (laughs) Do you realize how good you are at it? Oh my gosh, Karen. So for all the 5% that you see where I have executed, there's probably 90 (laughs) under the iceberg are so many that (laughs) are still waiting to be born. (laughs) They will be though. This woman, I mean, I'm telling you, everything I've already told you about her, I didn't even tell you how many languages she speaks. It's like a thousand (laughs) languages and she's writing children's books right now while mothering two children herself. So So here's what I think. I think you have to figure out what works for you. It's actually such a great positive psychology question. For example, for me, I might say, what's worked in getting positivepsychologynews.com off the ground over, what is it, over 10 years ago? And I think, okay, when I reached out to 20 colleagues and say, hey, we haven't written a a map homework assignment 
in about six months. Are you interested in writing any essays about mm. positive psychology? And a bunch of them coming back and saying, not all of them, but a bunch coming back and saying, yeah, I'd actually write, like to write, do some writing. So then I said, let's get it together. Let's make this, it's like a group blog, but we're going to call them articles. We're going to be all formal. We'll call it positive psychology news. We're all writing. And now we're at, at 1,500 articles. So I think what I'm trying to say is I look back at that. Like now I think about, I, I want to get Karen, Stella, Val, and me together on video and do something. We'll call it the, we didn't even know we would call it the coaches. No. How do we get together? But then I think, what did I do before? I asked if there's interest. I checked. I tried something. So with you guys, I asked if there's interest. We tried. Remember all of those times that we tried? We, throw the, we threw them out. We had to throw right. a lot of things out. So for that, but that's my way. So my way is I check. I do a couple of steps. I check. I do a couple of steps. But somebody else's way may be another way. Hmm. I rely on, do you know Gretchen Rubin's The Four Tendencies? I don't. It's, I think, her most recent book. And she says people are in one of four different categories. For me, that was helpful at which category you're on, like what motivates you to actually take action. So for me, external motivation is very helpful. Having other people to whom I'm accountable, that we all meet, that we do something regularly. That's mm. important for, for other people. Setting specific goals is important. For other people, going against the grain, that they're hmm. not doing what is conventional. So whatever is your thing, that's one way to figure out your method. But I think that the best is a positive psychology. Like, let me ask you, when are you most effective at getting something into implementation? Mm. I'm most effective at implementing when I think about what will happen if I don't do it. Beautiful. Yeah. That has been time and again. Thank you. I hadn't even thought of that until you just asked the question. If I really start thinking about what's going to happen to me personally, emotionally, if I don't ever write a book and I see everybody else write one, and I even see people write about the things that I talk about, I will feel so horrible about myself. I will kick myself. And then it's like, okay, forget it. I'm just getting this book out, right? And the podcast, I sat on doing this for two or three years because I was afraid it wouldn't do well. People wouldn't like it, right? And I, I'm sure some of you out there probably can relate to that. And then it was like, oh my God, if I don't do this, I'm going to feel so bad about myself. Let's go. So what is it? Is it you wanting to be good to your future self? Mm. Yeah, that's a really beautiful, positive way to say it, because I think where my brain went is to the negative of, I don't want to disappoint my future self. But really, it is, I, I want to live to my full potential. When you were saying the three questions about strengths, I thought to myself, well, what jazzes me? What jazzes me is seeing a woman in her brilliance. Like me seeing a woman who is just, she's confident. She knows what she's doing. She's going after her dreams. And confident, by the way, doesn't mean no fear. Like she's scared shitless, but she's still doing it. And she's putting herself out there and she's going for it. Like that jazzes me. The idea of then there being a room. I spoke to somebody today about us creating an event of 300 women who are all like on their feet and committing to go for it. Like that jazzes me. If you could see my hands now, everybody, you would just see my whole body is shaking. And so I know that I can do that. And that's the potential. That's the purpose that God, universe, goddess has given me. And I really think what that is, is I want to live up to that for myself and for people out there. And there is kind of a negative motivator there. 
that if I don't, and that's just me, if I don't, I will beat myself up. And I've done that enough in my life. And let me observe something. You don't have to beat yourself up about there being a beat myself up motivator. <laughs> right. That it just works is. for you. Yeah, it, it works, works for me. For you. And I love how you turn this interview back to me. I loved this. Cool. There's some research by Hazel Marcus and colleagues years ago about the ideal self, the ought self, and the actual self. So we all know our actual self, but what what I both I and you are talking about with with me with bringing together us women with you with saying I want to do a podcast. We're talking about our ideal selves. Mm. Here's who the future Karen is. Here's who the future Senya is. I'm just getting that from what we're saying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and believing in that future self. Marty Seligman, the father of positive psychology, says that we are called by the future. And where so many psychologists, we sit down, you go to a therapist, you sit down, and it's all about your past and what was wrong in your past. I've heard him say that rather it's we are motivated every single day to take action based on what our future self wants us to do. And it's such an incredible concept. To me, it really boils down to purpose that we're being called. And if we think about the highest and best self that we can possibly be, then we're going to take different action in this moment. I mean, even last night, I made such a healthy vegetarian dinner and then I was dying for chocolate. And there was that little voice inside of me and who cares? I mean, I eat chocolate all the time, but there was a a voice inside of me that said, eat the chocolate, eat the chocolate. And another voice inside of me said, you had dessert last night. You're going to have it this whole weekend. My parents are coming. And you're going to feel really good if you actually don't have it tonight. And so it was like this being called by the future. And there are some nights I say, no, I'm really going to feel better if I have it. Right. But so, so there is this thing. So, so how do we bring this back to work? We've talked about so many things from strengths to personal mastery, to you being your best, to struggling well. What would you say are two to three tidbits for how to be effective, how a business can be effective and how a person can be their most effective, their best self at work. Constantly ask yourself questions. Ask yourself those questions that move you to the you you want to be in the future. Mm. I love that. I love that. And then number two is strengths. I mean, so let's have everybody out there. Can you imagine a world where everyone knew their strengths and were intentionally using them? So purpose power tip number two is if you have never taken a strengths assessment, answer Senya's three questions, find the common denominator, the, the characteristics that are uniquely you, or take one of these assessments and, and they're in the show notes. And then number three, can we have a purpose power, Senya, about how to be positively contagious at work? Oh, yeah. I'm glad you got back to that. So the research shows that actually if you're a leader or you're a manager or you're a leader in your family or you're leading as being part of a team, your emotions are even more contagious. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, out of five people, if one person starts to feel a certain way worse or better, that one person can influence the mood of the remaining four. Wow. So we have a lot that we, just by how we come into the room, um, in, in our book, Cindy Bigelow of Bigelow Tea, she has a, we have a quote from her. She doesn't want her team to leave their actual personality at the door. She wants them to bring the whole person. Hmm. So 
You know, this chapter is actually the a true effect, Karen. It, it's a lot of people come back to us and say that had an impact on me. I remember a boss who you just don't want to cross his path. Or I remember when there's <laughs> one common person who read the book said, I used to call this the humming factor. And Margaret and I said, what do you mean the humming factor? Their manager of their group would hum more when he was in a worse mood. So as as people come into work, oh, no. they would check in with each other. <laughs> is is he humming? Say, exactly. How's it going? And they would report that, oh, severe to moderate humming. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they have a thermometer going on there. So just, just check in with yourself. And you might want to take a break. In the true effect, we say a lot of different things. Go for a walk. Breathe. Actually, breathe or stretch. Break up your routine. We all get into funks, whether we're giving ourselves a bad self-talk or someone else. But take that break. Check in. Am I being the person I want to be in this situation? Mm, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Because our emotions are contagious and we can choose to be a positive contagion. We ended with three big ones. Ask questions. Do your strengths and check in about your own energy. Those are three big ones. Amazing. So those are purpose power tips that you can put into effect immediately. So Senya, before we wrap up, there is a little game I like to play with all of my guests. And it's called the Purpose Power Up Playround. And I'm going to ask you just two or three quick questions. Whatever is the first thing that comes to you is the right answer. Are you ready? I am ready. I love play. Okay. I love this. So other than your own, of course, what's the most empowering, impactful book that you've recently read? I'm uh, going through the hope circuit, Marty Seligman's, and I actually just spoke with George Valiant on a video about it. And it's impactful, not only because it draws out the history of psychology in really clear terms, but Marty's very vulnerable about his own um, growth as a person. It's, it's beautiful. Wow. I haven't read it yet. I am looking forward to it. That's really, really beautiful. Number two, what's one thing your heart desires for 10 years from now? That's weird. The first thing that came to mind is a place by the ocean. <laughs> oh, yes. Please and thank you. You'll be having a visitor over here. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I don't find that weird at all. It's on my vision board constantly. So, <laughs> wow. Oh, yes. Cool. Oh, my God. That's so where I picture myself writing one day and I can see myself. My hair has gone gray and I've got beautiful, everything's white. And I, I'm one of those people who has, I don't currently, but in my future self, I've got jars of shells that I've collected off the beach. Like, I see it, girlfriend. It's happening. But what happens if your hair never goes gray? Oh, my hair is going gray. Please. <laughs> I'm at the stage right now, where, and I'm really struggling with this. This is so interesting. So I'm at the stage right now where I'm picking them out, and I'm like, okay, I believe in being be- you are beautiful as you are. And so the big question is going to be, will I dye my hair, or will I really just go with you're beautiful as you are? And I am sitting with it, and I'm I'm hoping and believing that it can be both. So, okay, last purpose power-up play question. What have you had to stop doing or let go of to be and do and have what you have now? The details. I've had to stop doing the details and it's been very helpful. I'm working with a, a virtual assistant and that kind of thing. 
And I've realized, Karen, that some things really frustrate me, like making an extra phone call that somebody else can make can sometimes frustrate me and the other big things that I need to do. Yeah, thanks for that question. The details, I've let go of details that I'm happy to let go of. Beautiful. And I'm really hearing back to our strengths conversation. You do your strengths, you surround yourself with other people who can do theirs and support you. Mm. Letting that go. Incredible. Senya, you amaze me. You inspire me. You empower me. I constantly in your pre- want to be in your presence. And when I am, I constantly want to be my best. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Where can people find you? Your book is in the show notes. Where can people find you for executive coaching or for their business? They can go to svchange.com. That stands for Silicon Valley Change because we are based in Silicon Valley and work with a lot of high-tech companies and individuals as well, companies that are based in Silicon Valley. And we care about behavior change. So that's why change is in our name. Mm, I love that. And you're definitely going to want to get Senya's book and you're, wanna, you're going to want to go to her website and to the incredible website that she started, Positive Psychology News. So Senya, thank you so, so, so much for being thank with you. us. The listeners, you may not see this, but I'm sending Karen a big, big, big hug and a huge hug. Oh, I'll receive it. And you all can't see this, but I'm taking my arms and I'm receiving it. And for all of you out there, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to today's episode. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Goal podcast. Because of you, we are creating a movement of women who are claiming that our happiness matters. We are claiming our power. We are claiming that we deserve to live our purpose and it is spreading. And I am so, so, so grateful to you. So thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, please, please, please give it a five-star rating. Please download it. Please share it with your friends, share it with your colleagues at work, men and women. They need to know how people can succeed. Share it with your sister, your mother, everybody, and send me a little message. Tell me how you like it and tell me what topics you would like in the future. Of course, for more on, from me, go to Purpose Girl Podcast there. You can find out about the retreats that I'm holding. You can get your free Living on Purpose guide, and you can find out if you want to start doing some individual coaching with me. It's been such an honor speaking with all of you today. May you live purposefully. May you love yourself, and may you love life. Bye for now.